Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? Hopefully everybody had a happy Memorial Day weekend. This is Rafael Barlow. I am the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And my guest today is, you know, I, I keep saying guest. He's not my guest, my co-host. So I apologize for saying guest, my co-host for the day, Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft or Mavs slash Magic Draft. Hey, I... Uh... It's an honor to be your guest, honestly. Like, I've seen you've been on the grind going out to Chicago, uh, just nameless places, countless places, excuse me, of just visiting, seeing draft workouts, getting intel and everything. You've been on the grind, and, and it's still amazing to me just how much work you're doing. Every time I text you, it's a different place. So, honor to be your guest. I will take that title here today. Oh, man, no, you're definitely not my guest. I'm chilling. I'm, I'm staying put. I'm going to stay put for the next hopefully i don't have to leave again but anyway this episode is, is about you we are going to talk about your big board stay tuned all right shout out to each and every person that has made this nba big board podcast a success man i know i i really appreciate that i say it every episode but i i, I really mean it all right richard what do you got for us today it, it, it's it's supposed to be big war monday but it's memorial day and it's this episode is going to air on tuesday but it is still your big board monday and i know the last time we we did something similar we had a, a debate about kennedy chandler I had him high, you had him low, and then on my last mock, kind of had him closer to where you had him. <laughs> and so, do you feel like you're just overthinking right now? Do you feel like guys are just moving up and down despite not having any new games or a lot of, you know, work to go off after? Dude, so much, so much. I, I will randomly, like, I'll take my morning shower and I'll go, no, my top three is horrible i'm an idiot like i just like will overthink every single thing i'll go down and i'll be like no this player can't be number 100 like it's, it's ridiculous no matter how you look how far you look down the board it is very easy to overthink everything right now with just how much inactivity is really going on in the public eye i mean most of the stuff we've seen is hey this guy's working out with somebody maybe some hype video occasionally but ultimately you know there's really not a ton we can go off of and also countering you know, you sold me on Terquavion Smith. I'm a lot closer to where you have him now than where I was before. You know, it's funny. When I was at the Combine and when Terquavion had that good first half, I kept getting all these messages of like, I got to give you your flowers now. You were right about Terquavion. And then in the second half, I don't remember what he shot, but I remember he finished like six for 17 and he may have been like 0 for 8 or something like that in the second half. Um, but yeah, here's a question. Do you feel like with the added exposure on Twitter that when you do your big boards or your mocks and you release them, there's more pressure in a sense to not necessarily be right because nobody's right, but there's just way more people that are paying attention and watching. Do you feel that pressure a little bit? Very much so. Um, you know, I, I see some like not to toot my own horn. I see some of the names that come through. It says, hey, this person followed you. And I, I get a little bit not starstruck, but like, oh, oh, dang, like this person now has an eye on what I do. And they're going to keep up with what I do going forward. And that stuff does worry me uh, with just like, what if I look like an idiot in front of them? And, you know, just kind of diving right into it in a way. It's almost a segue into it. Like I have Jeremy Sohan number 20. 
That is nowhere near the consensus. Most people have him in the lottery. Uh, I, I personally hesitate to use the lottery pick on him. And with that, that's like one of my takes where I'm like, I'm scared to publish that because I know it goes so against the grain and that kind of stuff. It, it does worry me knowing, hey, a ton of people are watching this. Yeah, man, I, I don't on one hand, you can't be afraid to go against the grain because that's kind of what makes you different. And like, how many people are going to really pay attention to you if everything is on the consensus? And then we know like when you're going against the grain, it's not for a hot take. It's just because that's how you feel. My my biggest issue in a sense is Knicks fans. Like no matter who you mock to the Knicks, there's somebody that's going to call you an idiot. There's somebody that wants to argue you down. There's some. I mean, you're going to get people that like it. But I mean, somebody was like, man, the last two Knicks, the last two players you've mocked to the Knicks are the absolute worst. And so the players that he wanted, I'm like, they play the same position as R.J. Barrett. Like, I, I don't understand why Johnny Davis and R.J. Barrett need to be on the same team. But that's just my opinion. And, and so I do feel like there is a little bit of, of, of pressure in a sense with the added exposure. But let's 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 just get right into your Big board. All right, Jeremy Sohan at number 20. So we'll start off there. Why are you lower on him than the consensus? Because I have him at number 12 going to the Thunder. Yeah, for me, it starts with the fact that he has a fatal flaw. The jump shooting is very worrisome. Sub 30% from three, sub 60% from the line. And one of his main traits is, hey, he can play one through five, but really he can't. Like he can only play point guard and, and really center, maybe some power forward in a way, small ball center just because in order to actually be a wing, you have to be able to shoot. And I just don't think he is that. I think he's either going to be like a Ben Simmons kind of role where with, a, you know, he'll actually be able to shoot and work on his jumper. I think that's a separator. But I, I worry that he is limited to being a point guard or power forward slash small center. I could be very wrong about him. This is what makes me worried is because I actually do see the path. Ben Simmons is not a a barely top 20 player. He's still a top 10 player from his draft. I think that gets forgotten with the whole last year, how everything has played out. But, you know, he could be Andre Iguodala from the Warriors, and I just don't know how to rank that. I really don't. Well, I think when people say he plays one through five, I always thought it was more so on the defensive end, not necessarily on the offensive end. I mean, I don't think he's like a guy that you can play at the two on offense. If you If you play him at the two, then you have to have like – the Warriors shooters around him, Steph, Clay, um, Kevin Durant. <laughs> you got to have some snipers around him. All right, we'll start at the top. You have your Magic selecting Jabari Smith. Well, so I have them taking Chet. I, I don't know who to put it, number one. Like I said, the shower thoughts have started to get to me. I think Jabari is the safest where, like, there's no chance I look like an idiot and saying, like, oh, you know, like, not only is he the consensus, number one, but – is there really even a reasonable path to failure? I don't think so. And I'm not as confident with the rest of the top two in that way. I think it, the chances of failure are pretty low for the other two, but just statistically speaking, we do know that the top three hitting is almost impossible in any given draft. So I'm staying safe with him. I think the Magic should swing for a chat, though. Okay. All right. So basically your, your top three or your top four is consistent in no particular order. Um, Jabari, Chet, Paolo, Bencaro, Jaden Ivey, right? This is where it gets a little tricky. You have Benedict Matherin, who is the shooting guard from or shooting guard slash wing from Arizona. You have him at number five. 
why are you so high on Matherin? I mean, I've seen him. I haven't seen him at five. I've seen him from seven through 10, seven through 11, but five is the highest that I've seen him. Why are you higher on Matherin than the consensus? Yeah, I look at the five through 10 range and it's all interchangeable. And at that point, I'm looking who has the best chance at being a star. And I look at the, the wing mold, right? Like he measured it slightly shorter than I would have liked. He was six, six, not six, seven, not a major game changer to me, really, though. And when you look at somebody who's six, six with decent frame, overall long arms, very athletic, can shoot the ball, lights out. And I think he can hold his own defensively. I, I think he got overrated as a defender to an extent, but just being average given his offensive skill set is really strong. I like his ability to eventually pass the game against USC, where I think he had five assists really stood out as a game where, Hey, if he develops this passing ability in any capacity, he doesn't need to become a five assists per game guy, but a wing who does shoot pass defend. That's a good, that's a star. And even if he is just shoot slash uh, and shoot drive, I should say, and then defend, that's still also a borderline star on the wings. All right. What are your thoughts on this? Spoke to a scout about him since now I've taken over for Chad. And before I, you know, when I did my big boards or my mocks, it was just all my opinion. Care less what anybody else thought. But, you know, Chad was big on intel, gathering intel from teams and just kind of taking the temperature on what teams and people are feeling. So I, I tried to do a lot of that at the combine. Great experience. So end up talking to a scout from a Western Conference team. And he said his concerns about Matherin are if you get him out West where you're running up and down, he's going to be good. But if he's not in the West and it's a half court setting, the pace is the pace is a little bit slower. He said that's concerning to him. So I started doing a little bit of research. And when I looked at his numbers, his shooting splits were similar to Chet's. Like on they looked good on paper, but when you take a deep dive, like in the half court, the catch and shoot jumpers weren't nowhere near as accurate. Like he did a lot of his damage or shot well in transition. And the, the game against Houston was the game that the scout mentioned, like Houston slowed the pace down, made him kind of think in a half court game and he struggled. Do you agree with that take? I can see it. I, I think the counter I would say is I think he moves well enough off ball that when you look at the NBA spacing, he'll be given, I think he'll be okay. And, and in a way the NBA just doesn't play super slow anymore. Like even it's slow games are still or slow paced games are still actually pretty fast even compared to 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, but then again, you look at like the Miami Heat, you know? I mean, Miami, he's going to be way off the board before Miami picks. But you look at like a Miami Heat, Boston Celtics playoff series and how the pace is like slow and games are barely getting into the hundreds. And so on one hand, you can kind of see, because I think at this point now, probably more than ever in the years past, I'm judging guys based off of how I see them in a playoff lens, whether that's fair or not, because most of the times they're going to teams that aren't in the playoffs. And the scouts comment did make me think like, all right, how does, how does Matherin look in a grinded out Eastern conference playoff? But I'm high on him. I think that, he has some tools that, I mean, he made he made some strides as a pick-and-roll ball handler and, and a decision maker as a sophomore. And I think that he can, if he can continue to, like, make those progressions, then I think he can be more than a 3 and D guy. And like you said, the defense can be a little bit overrated. 
but I think at the very, very minimum, you're going to get a three and D shooter slash transition finisher. And what was interesting about him, especially his freshman year, like he gets to the free throw line, but he doesn't get to the line in your traditional way. Like not from just attacking the rim relentlessly. He he used to get to the free throw line from just energy hustle plays, like getting fouled on offensive rebounds and, and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's, it's free throw attempts. So um, yeah, like, all right, I have so many more questions to ask you. Um, and I want to talk about Shaden Sharp, which has been like a hot topic lately. And then a few other guys that you have in your lottery that are a little bit off the grain. But before that, I want to talk to everyone about prize picks. And if you're looking for a daily fantasy option in the NBA, then prize picks is the best choice. Use the award-winning app. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. And we know you will too. You pick two to five players and an over or under on their projections, and you can win up to, and you can win up to 10 times any entry. And it is just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize picks is safe and it offers fast withdrawals. So you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. And Prize Picks offers any prop that you can think of from point scores to rebounds, even steals. And Prize Picks can offer mixed sport entries. So you can take the over on LeBron and you combine with the under on. I don't know, Patrick Mahomes and Prize Picks just doesn't offer the NBA. They have options for college basketball, college football, NFL, Major League Baseball, soccer, MMA, and more. So for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users would get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. But you must pay attention. You must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. If you sign up today and use the code NBA, you'll get $50 for free. If any player in your prize picks entry scores a single point. All right. Thanks again for making the Locked On NBA Big Boy your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, try the Locked On NBA podcast from the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the finals the locked on experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams i am rafael barlow the director of scouting for nba big board this is richard Stamen, aka mr mavs and magic draft all right so looking at your big board you have keegan murray at number six aj griffin seven and you have shade and sharp at number eight was that correct yeah, this is where the board gets dicey. Like I said earlier, you know, five through 10, I think it's horribly interchangeable. I could see really the mocks going one way and then the big boards going another. With Keegan Murray, him being next, I'll start with him. I just, he's such a hyper-productive player with so few turnovers, the high usage, low turnovers combo, really appealing to me. The size, I think he knows how to use his tweener label to his favor. The only real issue I have with him is, you know, he doesn't really hit movement threes very well. Sometimes playing off ball as a shooter can be a weakness, but everything else is ridiculous. And, and obviously, you know, he's 22 years old. I think that limits him in ways, but the scoring efficiency and volume, just, I don't see how that doesn't translate. Yeah. I spoke with a scout and he mentioned that even though he, 
he said Murray's not like your sexy prospect. He's not going to wow you with athleticism, and he's not a guy that you consider this high upside guy. He did mention that he thought that he had a lot of room to grow and a lot of improvement. He didn't think that he was quite the finished product that a lot of people consider him to be, considering that he has really only one season of like being the man in college basketball. So he thought there was a lot of growth opportunities there. All right. So let's get to Shady Sharp. Now, this is a, a hot topic. Would you select him with a top 10 pick? Yeah, I think the risk is depends on who you are, but I think overall the risk is justified. All right, let's say at four, Sacramento. Oh, not the Kings. Anybody but the Kings. Especially like even if even if somebody trades up, I no, my thing is is like Jaden Ivey has to be the pick. Like he has to be the pick at four. I, I just he's too talented to justify Shaden Sharp, who has notable risks, uh, which I'll get into in a minute around him. All right, what are your, some of your risks? I mean, I had mentioned it um, that when I spoke to scouts last week, one of their concerns was he didn't practice a lot at Kentucky, and they felt like he was being hidden because of – it's not necessarily his agent but an advisor. And on one hand, the advisor is doing the best thing you can to protect his draft stock. And I think that's – your role in a sense, protect your, your client's draft stock and then put them in the best position to succeed. And maybe there is a flaw that he is hiding, but he's like, I'm going to put him in the best position to get drafted higher, more money. Then we'll let, we'll, we'll figure that out later on. Now I, from that point, I get it from the team aspect. It has to be completely frustrating because you see the talent, you see like the size, the athleticism, the shooting ability, the ability to create his own shot, but you have the small sample size that you saw last year at the Peach Jam. And again, what top tier high school prospect doesn't look great playing against other, other high schoolers? So it is a dilemma. And I mean, I think it can shape draft night. Where do you think is like the best fit for him? Yeah, I, I think the best fit is it's, it's a tough one because there's actually reasonable options. You look at Detroit, might need a swing for the fences. I think New Orleans is probably actually the real best spot for him, but I don't know if he makes it down to eight. My concern with him, though, is, and this is what I think teams would look for and worry about, is for someone so hyper-athletic, we saw that 49-inch vertical, that rumored vertical. I'm about to say alleged. Yeah, it, it's not completely confirmed, but, you know, you can jump high. I think that was pretty obvious. It's at least 40 inches. And when you're that athletic, but you can't blow by guys on the drive, that really worries me. So that it's a weird combo. And I don't know how much it limits him. I think it could be a fatal flaw. So when you say he can't blow by guys, what, so are you saying that you don't think that he has like this elite first step, or do you think he can make up for it with, you know, like his ability to create space off the dribble? Yeah, what I what I mean by he doesn't blow by guys is he gets stuck. Like the guys will, with quick feet will move right with him and he has no counter to really beat him. I think getting stronger could help, but ultimately, yeah, I think getting a go-to step back something to, to get him off his hip would be the best way because he's going to have to learn, you know, NBA defenders are going to do the same thing high school defenders did to him in that regard. All right, so I have a couple questions for you here. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll mention the name, 
and you are lower on them than the consensus, there's some guys that you're higher than that you're higher. All right, Mark Williams, you have him at 19. I have him at number 11 on my last mock. I have him going to the Knicks as a replacement for Mitchell Robinson. Some Knicks fans liked it. A lot of Knicks fans hated it. And so what are your thoughts? Well, on Mark Williams, I, I, let me say this. What are your thoughts on Mark Williams? But I already know the answer because we've had podcast episodes about bigs and, and, and uh, I guess, vertical lob threats and rim runners. So why, for those that are new to this, why are you lower on Mark Williams than others? Yeah, I, I look at the playoff playability and I, I really do worry. While he is a rebounder and an interior beast, he can easily be played off the floor. And I, I can't remember which game it was, but there was a game while he was at Duke that he got played off the floor for a good portion of the end of the second half. And when that's happening in college, that's going to happen in the NBA. So I don't think he can handle guards very well compared to a lot of the modern centers. I think that's something teams could hunt in the playoffs. And then can he shoot? There's upside for him as a shooter, as a mid-range shooter even. But how realistic is that path? So if he's not finishing, like he's not living at the rim, like say he's having an off night defensively, what happens then? So I just worry about what his playoff playability is more than anything. All right, Usman Jang, you have him at 18. I've seen him getting some lottery, some lottery love. It's almost like he is back to where he started off the season, you know, in the preseason, I should say. He was high, then all of a sudden he fell off the cliff, and then he finished strong, and now he's he's kind of back in the range that he started off. But you have him at 18. What are your concerns about Usman? Yeah, so with, with Jang, it's like, look, the first 11 games, he averaged four points a game, two rebounds, one assist on 25% shooting. The next 12 games, he averaged 13 points on 48% shooting. I don't know what to believe. I think the defense was always a constant. And I think that inconsistency and that complete incongruency really just makes it very difficult for me to evaluate him. Like, I, I think that tier he's on, that really probably 14 or 15 to like 25 you could rotate it any single way. I personally would probably still take him in the lottery because I believe the second half is more realistic compared to what the first half was, but there's a chance that the first half was a real warning sign to teams. Hey, this is what you're getting. You know what? I, after like, I mean, I talked to him briefly at the combine, but after talking to Hugo Besson, I kind of have a better understanding on why they struggled at the beginning of the year they're going to a new country, totally far away from home. The time difference is crazy. Like I've been to Australia, the time difference is crazy. And then they were there by themselves with no family, no friends, because Australia was locked down. And so it was, you know, their struggles were 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 valid. I mean, Jang is a couple of years younger, I believe, than than Besson. So I mean, you're literally taking a you know, like a 18 year old kid, you're moving him to a totally different country by himself. And, um, you know, like most guys have someone with them, mom, dad, whatever. And so that was part of the the reasons for his struggle. And then once he got adjusted, he, he seemed to play fine All right now. I mean, I, I wanted to like get as much as I could into this episode, but now what I want to talk to you about is like some of the best fits, like what fits have to happen in this draft. But we'll get to that in a second. But I want to talk to the audience about Rock Auto. And with the ever-increasing 
numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain and auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure the pointless or seemingly intimidating questions? And why wait for the person behind the counter to make an order on their computer when you can do it on your phone? All you need is rockauto.com, which you have at home or in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. No need to spend 30, 50, and even 100% for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business. Serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Richard, what are some fits that you feel like need to happen in this draft? Man, we just talked about Benedict Matherin. Put him in Washington, please. Washington as a whole really has to hit. I, I think they're one of the teams that they have very little margin for error this year, and that would be an absolute just A-plus draft if they got him. So what team can't afford to miss this draft? Would you say it's Sacramento or would you say Washington? Like, is there a team that you feel like they just cannot afford to miss out on or just make a mistake in this draft? Actually, I'll, I'll say I mean, half the top 10 is in that boat, but I think there's a team nobody talks about that has to hit. They got screwed in the lottery and that's Detroit. They're a team that, yes, they hit last year. They missed in 2020 on, on Killian Hayes at number seven. Um, they missed on... Well, they, they kind of hit on, on Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey was obviously a hit. So they have some nice role players, but you're talking about a team that they have only one star. And outside of that, what's their core? Like they have Sadiq Bey who's a very, very good role player. I, I think they need to add a key, a very key player to their young core in this draft. And they cannot afford to miss that. And see, I, I disagree because I think they have a trade chip in Jeremy Grant that they can move and possibly get another lottery pick. And so I think that they have some wiggle room because I don't think there's like this tremendous amount of pressure for them to come in and win now. So I think they have some wiggle room, even Sacramento. I think, I mean, they've missed the playoff 16 years in a row. So 17 is not <laughs> to make, not to make a big difference. Maybe the Knicks, I think the, the Knicks are a team that I say that can't afford to miss, even though, you know, I saw this um, list of like the top 11 picks or the number 11 pick in like the last few years, like Clay Thompson was obviously a hit. And I think the median was like Jarrett Jeffries. So, you know, <laughs> like pick number 11 usually doesn't get you like this star or anything like that. But I feel like the Knicks are a team that, I mean, depending on the direction, we don't know if they're trying to win now. We don't know if they're trying to be young, but I think that they need, they really need to hit, but I can see them possibly moving Julius Randle. And I mean, I talked about it on a previous podcast, Julius Randle to Portland for the number seven pick. And I think that, um, you know, that could, um, that could be something there. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. Unless there was another team that you felt like needed to, that, that cannot afford to miss. I mean, low key, the Indiana Pacers because their timeline they just hired rick carlisle when now coach yeah. kind of need to win with him yeah that's another team that are they completely rebuilding are they you know i don't know and i think like you said if rick carlisle wasn't the coach we'd assume like okay this is a total rebuild but 
with Rick's history, he doesn't seem like the type that is going to rebuild. Well, man, thanks a lot for this episode. Um, just thank you so much for listening. Thank each and every person for making the NBA Big Boy your first listen every day. Again, check out the Locked On NBA podcast from the first jump ball of the playing tournament to the last possession of the finals. The Locked On experts will take you deep inside the playoffs with their insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. I'm Rafael Barlow. He is Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs slash Magic Draft. We are out.